Jesus asked for water twice, and twice he was denied it. I show up, and you've got a bottle ready for me. Amen. So I'm blessed. It's good to be here tonight. I don't know if I could do one of them 3 a.m. jobs. It, it usually takes me a week to recover from something like that now. To be very honest with you. Um, wanna, I want to want to take you over to Revelation chapter uh, 3, and this is something... Amen. Lord showed me this this morning. I, he may have showed it to you 20 years ago, but He showed it to me this morning. <laughs> well, this is not what I'm going to preach on, but it's something I wanted to show you. And... Uh, I think of all people, you'd understand. Amen. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse 14, he talks about that Laodicean church. Yes, sir. And we know that we're neck deep in it. Yes, sir. Yep. We are neck deep in Laodicea. It, yes, it, it, I'm kind of wondering if it can get any worse, but I guess it is. Uh, I preached against post-millennialism this morning because it's creeping back into Bible-believing churches now. Yes, That's what my message is about. It's called The Last Charge. Amen. That, uh, uh, Paul gave over there in Second uh, Second Timothy, and I, I came to this point. And I was reading through it, and then I saw something I never saw before. I mean, it's so I don't know why I missed it. I don't know why I didn't see it. And um, if if you did see it, don't tell me; it'll break my heart. <laughs> but um, let's read from verse fourteen. He said, "Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write: These saith, uh, uh, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God." I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love I rebuke and chase and be zealous therefore and repent. Behold I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door I will come in to him and I will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down in my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now I got to looking at verse uh, number 20, and you know that's, that verse is used a lot to, 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 for soul winning, not a problem there. But you know that's not the doctrinal meaning of that verse. It's actually a very negative meaning. Jesus Christ is outside of the church of Laodicea, knocking on the door trying to get in. You know, I've been, I've been struggling. You've been struggling. You've been struggling at it for 10 years, and so have I. Trying to bring people into the church. And then I realized when I looked at that, and I said, Huh. I might find myself on the outside of that church too. Yeah. If that's where my Savior is, if it's good enough for Him, brother, it's good enough for me. Yeah. As long as I'm standing with Him. Yeah. Because what He says there, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. That's good enough for me. Yeah. If I find myself outside of the local church, then praise the Lord, that's where I'll be. Amen. Because the Bible says, they'll not endure sound doctrine. Yeah. If they want to give me my walking papers, that's fine. But preach the truth no matter what. Amen. My loyalty is not to a church and never has been. Amen. My loyalty is to a Savior. Yes, sir. My loyalty is to the book. Yes. That's got to be first and foremost. Yes. And listen, when you can't keep the machine running, when you can't turn it out, shut it down. Yes. If it's going to compromise the Word of God, let it die. On, That's baby. how I feel about it. Yeah. That's just how I feel about it. Amen. All right. 
Now the message. Amen. <laughs> All right, turn to First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Amen. I got two titles for this. I'm just going to call it in a moment. In a moment. Amen. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, starting at verse fifty-two. He says there in First Corinthians fifteen, starting at verse fifty-two. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Can't wait for that. Amen. <laughs> for this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I tell my folks sometime about giving. I said, you know, if all you do is work, you know, work 50, 60 hours a week, a lot of people do that. I said, you really don't have time to labor for the Lord. Yeah. I said, but when you put money in a box, that's your labor. Yes. I think that counts, man. I really do. If that's what you got, that's what you can give. That's right. Amen. In a moment. Yes. You ever think about that moment? Yes. I actually think about it. I think about just meeting him in the air yes. and opening my eyes for the first time and seeing him. Yes. And I know... The Bible, how the Bible describes him in, in the book of Revelation, you know, his eyes are as a flame of fire and hair white as wool. Kind of scary. Yes. You know, but I think, I think the first thing I'm going to feel is the love of God. That's yes. what I think. I think when I see him, like the Bible says, he's altogether lovely. I think, yes. I, I think I'll, I'll have that connection right away, brother. I just believe that I'll just be overwhelmed yes. with the love of God. Yes. And just, there's my Savior. Yes. And I think he'll be absolutely beautiful to me. Oh, yes, sir. But then I think in about the next few moments, <laughs> I'm going to think to myself, yeah. am I going to have any eternal, eternal regrets? Yeah. Down the Just looking at him, he looking at me, and I'm thinking, what I do for him? Yeah. What I do for him? Because I can already see the holes in his hands and his feet. I can see the passion of that cross all over him. I already know what he's done for me. Yeah. At that moment, I'm thinking, I don't want to have any eternal regrets. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm glad there's uh, young people. You know, I'm amazed at the town of your children. That did come from Vicky's side, right? Yes, sir. I think you're like me. We can't even play radio, can we? My kids, they show some talent. I said, don't look at me. I, I've, me and the Lord's had arguments about how talentless I am. I, I, I even can't find my directions. I'm, I'm a directional idiot. You imagine a man being a directional idiot? And I said, Lord, what happened? Why didn't I get anything else? Now, I'm happy for my gift. That 25 cents, I can get, no, 79 cents. I can get a cup of coffee at McDonald's since they raised the price. I think we were born a hundred years too late, brother. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? The Lord wants us to do what we're doing, and we keep doing it till He tells us to stop. Amen. Amen. That'll be the blowing of a trumpet. Amen. I want to talk about eternal regrets, and uh, you don't want to have them. 
you don't want to have. Listen, you'll have a lot of regrets in life. You know, uh, you might regret uh, you might regret a job you took. You might regret uh, some of the things you did in raising your children. You might regret who you married. You might regret. But listen, when you see Jesus Christ and you're going to stand before Him and be judged by Him, you don't want any eternal regrets. I'm telling you. And when you get there, there's just some things, some things that just are common sense that if you are saved and love God, that you should do. Amen. I'm not going to give you the whole laundry list, but I'm going to give you the major points. On, and this is not just for preachers, it's for people in the pew. Yeah. Amen. These are things you don't want to look at, uh, look at Jesus Christ and, and come up short on. Yeah. I think you'll regret, you will regret having never read the Bible through at least once. Yes. Amen. You know the way I say that. The reason I say that is because let me get, let, let you look at these verses here. Matthew twenty one sixteen. Now I got everything printed out in front of me. I don't like to be distracted with Bible turning because I'm so terrible at it. Once this one's got tabs. We wanted the church doesn't. Uh, somebody told me I was a sissy because I had tabs. So I took I got rid of the tabs. And now I do all I do is fumble around looking for them books. You say, haven't you got it yet? I never learned the song. I wasn't in Sunday school. <laughs> and I you know. Yeah, what you know about heart, yep. <clears throat> and I'll eventually find it. But I so I just print out what I need to, to read and we'll go from there. Matthew twenty one sixteen. He said unto them, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read? Yes. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Look at verse forty two. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the Scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Yeah. Look at Mark chapter 2 and verse 25. Mark chapter 2 and verse 25. And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was hungered? He and they that were with him. So over and over again, the Lord Jesus Christ has happened. Have you, did you read this? Have you ever read this? Amen. I don't want to get the glory. And, you know, the Lord's saying, now, why didn't you do this? And say, well, Lord, it was because of this and this. He says, have you never read? Yeah. Did you go over there and read it? Did you go over there and see it? Did you search the scriptures? Did you study to show yourself approved? Amen. Oh, man. Listen, you can take a lot of scrutiny in this life, but let me tell you, your Savior has eyes as a flame of fire. He's looking right through you. Yeah. And when he, when he is asking you these things, there's nobody to look to. Right. There's nobody to blame. Yeah. It's just you and Him. Sorry won't cut it. Amen. You know what that is? That's an eternal regret. Yes. Here you had, and we all know we got the perfect words of God. Perfect. perfect. Have, you, have you read it through at least once? Even all them names over there, first ten chapters of First Chronicles. Yeah. I'll tell you, there's some good meat over in First Chronicles. People just never found it, <laughs> and it's there. Just keep on reading. Yeah. You say, "Well, I stumble through the names." Stumble through the names, but read it all. Read it all at least once. Yeah. Amen. When I find out, you want to read it again yeah. and again and yeah. again and again. Yeah. Never get tired of it. Yeah. Uh, something else, you. You will regret never having one a soul to Christ. Yeah. That's going to be a regret. Second Corinthians 5.18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. 
Now, I don't know. There's some folks that they're so shy or backward or I don't know. They can't open their mouth, but they can sure give out a track. Uh, they can they can uh, support missions. Uh, they can uh, invite somebody to church. Listen, you don't have to have. I mean, you don't have to be the one kneeling with them here at the altar to be uh, credited with a soul. One soweth and one watereth. It's God that gives the increase. But you know, if when I'm standing there, you know, I don't know how it's going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't. I don't know if there'll be a line. And I'm just, I'm just praying, so please, Lord, don't don't put me behind D.L. Moody or somebody, you know. That would be the worst thing. A quarter of a million souls won to Christ, and here I am standing behind him, you know. That would be horrible. Uh, but I know one thing, that, you know, when, when, when the Lord calls me forward and says, Give account, says, Who's here with you? Oh Let him speak now. Wow. I'm going to hear some voices. Amen. I'm going to hear a few. Yes. Amen. I don't know how many. Maybe it's a dozen, maybe it's a hundred, maybe it's two hundred, maybe it's five hundred. I don't know, but I'm going to hear some. I pray with them and watch them get saved. Amen. I don't want to stand before him and not have not bring in some of the sheaves. Yes. I think that would be an eternal regret. Yes. I think it would. Amen, brother. I don't want that. Right. I realize we're saved. We got a home in heaven and a new body coming. But you know, there's more to it than that. Yes, uh, that was all free with salvation, but everything else is earned. Yes. And willing to step forward and to be and to sacrifice for him in this age will bring you eternal reward. Yes. Yes. You know you're gonna you're going to feel look pretty worthless standing before the Lord, having not influenced not one soul to be saved. And there are Christians like that. You know what it, you know what you know what the problem is? It's a selfishness that all you can think about is the now and now. Yep. Not the by and by. But that thing's coming, man. It's coming on fast. Lord could blow the trumpet this spring, we'd be out of here. And I'm telling you, in that moment, when you see him, these things are going to be going through your mind. What did I do for him? What did I do? You don't want any eternal regrets. You will regret having never become a faithful member of a sound local church. I believe that. God instituted the local church. Amen? Now, I put it where it belongs and importance and all that, but God did institute the thing. And I believe in belonging to one. A sound one at that, brother, amen? (laughs) Even if I have to preach it and make it sound, you know? (laughs) Which is about what I've had to do. I feel your pain here. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you struggle with folks. They don't. They don't want sound doctrine anymore. But I've been. A, I, I've been a member at least somewhere of a of a, a local church and doing what I can do for God and, and whatever He'd have me do. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, you, know, you know, people they say, well, you know, maybe you ought to pay a piano player. I don't think I want to pay a piano player. Amen. I want somebody to come into church and want to serve God and do something for God. Uh, I'm sick of having to. Pay. I realize I got to be paid a little bit just to survive as a preacher. But I, you know, it, it kills me that you got to pay somebody to play the piano. Yeah. Yep. Right, yes, sir. He said in Acts fourteen twenty three. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with, uh, and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Verse 27, And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God done with them, how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Acts 15, verse 3, And being brought on their way by the church. You see the, the theme here, don't you? The church, the church, the church. Local assemblies. 
That's where the work of God's done. Amen. These uh, parachurch organizations, they might start out doing good, but they fade real quick. They compromise too quick. <laughs> and then they end up standing for nothing. Why? Because they've got to keep the money flowing in. And then they've got all these nut, nut jobs that come in with it. Amen. End up doing more harm than good. Yes, sir. Now, local churches are apostatizing too, but at least it's a lot slower. Yes, sir. Amen. Uh, verse, uh, Acts 15, verse uh, 3 says, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Verse 4, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. Verse 22, Then pleased it, uh, pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. This is how God does the work. Amen. Now imagine you standing before Jesus Christ at the great, or at the judgment seat of Christ and him saying, uh, what was that name of that church you were a member of? And there was no church. Amen. Well, then how in the world did you serve me right. when you didn't belong to a local church of how I was doing the work? Yes. That's how he did it in the book of Acts. Amen. I think that'd be an eternal regret, don't you? Yes, sir. Sure be, you practically got to pull them in, and then you got to offer them the basketball court and the breakfast yeah. bar. <laughs> I mean, you got to offer them everything, man. I mean, at least you got some talent to offer, brother. I got nothing. <laughs> they come in the door and they go out the door because, and they don't like they don't like small rooms. I like a small room, a quaint room, but they don't seem to like that. They they want they want they do they want this yeah they want the brass and, and glass they want to see they want to see everything uh, that the world has to offer in their church. That's what they want. You know when I got saved, and I was stupid, not too much smarter now, but I really was. I didn't know anything. But when I found out this was the Word of God, it's all I wanted. Now, I enjoyed the fellowship. Amen. I enjoyed the fellowship. But that wasn't the primary reason I went to church. I tell my church, I said, have you ever raced a train to church? I raced to get across the tracks one time because I thought I was going to be late. That that train missed me by about three inches in the back of my car. Wow. Because you say, why? I want to get to church. That was stupid. Yeah, I know it, but I think the Lord said, "Ah, it's kind of cute too. You can illustrate your judgment. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you ever raced a train to church? <laughs> Most folks would turn around and say, Well, we got a train. Let's just go back home. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, God works through the local church. He just does. Yes, does. And when you don't uh, when you're not a part of that, you're missing a big part of what God wants yeah. for you. Yeah. Listen, you know, I know that you know, I am dealing with an individual right now that's uh, Thinks he can find it all on his own. Thinks he's got it all. He's got half of it wrong, but he thinks he can get it all on his own. You know, people say, "Well, I can have church at home," no. but I will bet you don't. <laughs> bet you don't. <laughs> you know, most folks don't. Yes. Well, I'll read my Bible at home. Bet you don't. Come on, man. Because most folks don't. Amen. And try fellowshipping with the brethren at home. Yes. Amen. 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 That's right. Try ministering to each other in love at home. <laughs> it's hard to do, man, when they ain't there. Now, if the church is in your home, praise the Lord. That's where they all started out anyway. The folks just don't, they just don't have any, 
They don't want nothing to do with the local church. It's, it's, it's practically anathema to them. Yeah. You will regret not giving a, a sacrificial portion of your wealth back to God. Yes. Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 9, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, having, uh, that ye always always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work as it is written he hath dispersed abroad he hath given to the poor his righteousness remaineth forever you know that's a that last part of that thing in verse 9 that kind of blows me away yeah you know he's saying there that your sacrifice of giving for the work of the Lord he said that thing remaineth forever isn't that amazing yeah. You, you when he said that investment and what that has accomplished, that thing's going to show back up at the judgment. Amen. And all of a sudden, you know, all that money we've been shelling out all these years, you know, for the work of the Lord. You know, y'all don't even think about it anymore. Tithe's the first thing written. There it goes. Bye-bye. Don't even think about it. Amen. That's don't. Yep. You know, one of these days the Lord's going to say, oh, yeah, by the way, I got that dividend check. <laughs> and I'm going to look at that and, Whoa. Yeah. Because I've been supporting foreign missions. Millennial, millennial support. That's right. We've been we we paid and passed out tracks. We've nearly covered Xenia three times with Very gospel tracks. Amen. Uh, their blood's off my hands, yeah, brother. Right. One of these days, man, Lord's gonna say, "Hey, it paid dividends, yeah, right. big dividends," and it said that righteous will remain forever. That's a good reason to give. Yes. It's a good reason yes. to give. Uh, one of the greatest promises in the Bible is right there that he says there in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Try beating that. Being a giver brings great promise to you. Yeah. You know, and listen, the Lord doesn't, I mean, the Lord will put you on the ropes. Um, He'll put you out there and test you. I preached a message about three. It'll never be preached again. It'll never be preached again. You can watch it on YouTube. But I don't think I ever preached it again ever since then. <laughs> but it was uh, giving God the benefit of the doubt. Giving God the benefit of the doubt. And I was talking about, you know, faith. And listen, just because you feel good, that don't mean anything, man. It's when you feel lousy. That's when your faith comes in. Yes. Do you still trust Him? Do you still believe the promises? Do you still think He's in it with you? Right. Amen? That's what it counts. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, got done with that message, preached it. That week, man, I had catastrophe after catastrophe the week after that her back went out uh, and this week I was uh, I had a 12 hour shift of, of caring for someone and I walked out the front door and stumbled over a, a step and twisted my ankle and my back's tender this morning you know and just all kind of things you still trust him? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> still trusting him. I, I'm not smiling all the time, but I'm I'm still trusting him. And you got you got to learn. You just got to learn to say, okay, Lord, I trust you. Yeah. See, because you say, well, it's all these variables. Yeah, but he's the God of the variables. Yes. It's all these circumstances. Yeah, but he's the God of circumstances. Yeah. You know what the the Syrian said? He he's he's God of the hills, but he's not God of the valleys. Oh, I'm going to make you eat those words. Yeah. 
Listen, God of the hills, He's God of the hills, God of the valleys, He's God of the daytime, the God of the night, yeah. He's God of the variables and of the absolutes. He's God of it all. Yeah. So that means that whatever's happening to you, He is aware of the circumstances. Yes. He's actually put you in them. Amen. Yes, then He says, Thou trust me. Yes. Now I'm telling you, now it's easier said than done. Now, well, I'm smiling, and everything's fine. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but then you let the bottom drop out, and then all of a sudden, you know, the car breaks down. And Well, I'll tell you what happened. I was getting uh, uh, 30 ton of gravel delivered. No more than that. 60 ton. 20 ton. Yeah, 60 ton of gravel delivered. I've got a half mile lane that I have to keep uh, gravel on. And I've got a few folks that go in with me, but I was the one that got a skid steer, and I'm in this skid steer, and this, uh, and this first truckload arrives. And uh, the guy, you know, I had the guy tailgate the thing and just kind of uh, lay out that 20 ton of gravel. And if everything goes well, it's really a done deal, you know. He unloads the first load and everything just went perfect. He goes back for the second load and about an hour later I hear him out there. So I jump back in the skid steer and I go down there to uh, see what I can do to help, you know. And he's got turned around and he's, he's already got a portion laid down and he's, he's going up this little hill I got. And I really needed that gravel uh, over that hill. Uh, it was getting kind of muddy in the wintertime, and it went freezing and thawing, and freezing and thawing just works havoc with that. So I was, you know, telling him it was important to get up and over that hill. Well, he was going to actually start at the bottom of that hill. And what happens is that tailgate's made to where they take a chain, and they allow a few links, and the bottom of the tailgate comes out when he, go, when he pops it into gear, and then it starts flowing out nice and even. He just takes off. Well, I don't know. He owned the company. He was the owner of the company. He was an experienced truck driver, but he never realized that on that hill with that force and the fact that it was raining that day, another miserable situation, and uh, those circumstances, and that the weight of that gravel was probably increased. Well, that entire load, when he popped it into gear, came back and hit that tailgate. And when that tailgate popped, it just didn't break the chain. It ripped where they hooked the chain, it ripped those hooks off the truck. And he said it didn't even break the welds. It took part of the truck with it on both sides. Wow. And it dumped 20 tons of gravel right there in the middle of the lane. And it was a choke point. Wow. Nobody could get in or out of the lane. <sighs> I'm saying, Lord, I know you saw what you said. <laughs> And you're the God of circumstances. Thank you for this skid steer because with this skid steer, I can move that gravel. Amen. So, paid the guy, said we're done for the day. Got to get this dispersed. It's going to take me a couple hours. And, you know, when you got that many tons of gravel, it takes a little time. So he goes ahead and leaves. And um, I start trying to move that gravel. Well, just about the third or fourth load, I ran that scoop into that gravel, and the next thing you know, oil started shooting out of my skid steer, spraying everywhere, and it was the hydraulic hose. Oh, so, knowing that I was about to lose hydraulics, uh, I, I backed it all the way home, dragging the bucket, put it in the driveway, and I have a tractor. And I thought, well, at least I could possibly push it over to the side. Well, then not even the tractor would start. So I'm grabbing a shovel and throw it in the back of my truck. And I go out there and I say, Lord, you know what kind of situation I'm in here. 
I said, but I'm going to start with this shovel because it's the only thing I know to do. And the Lord knows I, ain't, I can't shovel 20 ton of ground, brother. <laughs> well, I had, called, I had called my neighbor and let him know, and he just let him know what happened. And uh, he's the one that owns the, uh, about 40 acres next to me. And all of a sudden, I get this call back. He said, I called a friend of mine. He'll be over there in about an hour and a half to move it. Wow. So this guy shows up. And he's a professional uh, in a in a skid steer, and he he moves that he moves that thing in just just under an hour. He moves that entire load and and disperses it just as if it had been tailgated up. And I start learning from him. He starts telling me about how to uh, properly take care of my lane a little better. So I'm, now I'm getting blessings from it. Yeah. Now we had to pay this guy a little bit, and we had to pay him to, to do that. But I'm starting to learn something now. It, it's almost listen the information he gave me. And what I learned was worth what happened. Yeah, there you go. It really was. And um, this guy said, uh, I said, man, I, I, I said, I can't believe you come out this quick. I really appreciate it. He says, oh, he goes, if we wouldn't have had this rain, he said, I've never been out here. He said, I am buried in work. But you see, the God that has control <laughs> of all the variables, all the circumstances, had it raining that day. Now, I was like, Lord, does it really have to rain today? He said, yes, it does. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. Praise God. You need the rain. Amen. You're going to praise me for the rain. <laughs> and I'm just saying, you know, and then you just wait for God to work the thing out. Sometimes he'll make you be patient, but you got to trust him. You just have to. And listen, he's putting you through it so that you will trust him. Yes. Not when you're just happy. Amen. But when you're distressed, you trust him. All right, that was another. That was the third message. Um, let's see, where did I leave off? You will, you will regret having never found a place of service in God's vineyard. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 to 31, it says, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. They say unto him, The first, Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Yeah. Usually 10% of the church does 90% of the work. Yeah. That's, that's usually the case in most big churches. Uh, you got 10% that are doing all the work and 90% that are just living off of it, you know. I think, I, I, I really do think that uh, we've raised a bunch of play babies. I really do. I, just play babies that just want to sit there and soak it up and enjoy the fellowship, but they don't want to do the work. Listen, one of the greatest things God will ever do is call you into the vineyard. That's one of the greatest things. You know, he talked about uh, when he hired them to go and go to work at his vineyard, he talked about hiring them for a penny a day. Now, that penny a day was actually a silver coin, and it was a day's pay. That's what it was. They just called it a penny. And um, that penny a day, uh, he, he promised it to the, to the guy that went to work first thing in the morning. Then he promised it to the guy that came to work and started at noon. Then he promised it to the guy that came to work at 5 p.m. And then finally at the end of the day at sundown, you know, they all came in. Some of them had worked a full day. I don't know, maybe, they maybe even 10, 11 hours. And some of them had only worked an hour. Right. You never, you ever, you ever, when he's talking to them, and 
of course, you know, this is where uh, that union mentality comes from. <laughs> um, where, you know, I, I deserve more, but you agreed for what you agreed. He said, did you not agree for a penny? But you know what that thing is teaching there? It's talking about that over, over church history. There are some that labored in the heat of the day. You know that. Yeah. Uh, persecuted and chased and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, all kinds of evil things that, you know, happened to them and, and torture and everything else. And then there's us. <laughs> the 11th hour. You know that's who we are. We're the 11th hour that showed up. Anybody been beating you with a whip? Spitting in your face? Uh, has anybody been putting you in a concentration camp? Have you had any pogroms where they come and, and, and your neighbors come and beat you up because it's a legalized killing? I mean, has any uh, Catholics showed up and, 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 and take you away for the Inquisition? Come on, friend. Hadn't happened, has it? Right. You know what we do? We labor. But you know what we face? We face a different foe. Yes. We face Laodicea. We face a lukewarm church, and we're still... When nothing's happening, we're expected to keep on, keep it on. That's what we're doing. You know what he says? We get a penny too. Yes. We get a penny too. Amen. I like that. And I appreciate those that labored in the heat. Yeah. You know, we might get a little heat before we get out of here. (laughs) I don't know. These churches today. They, I, they, have pine, they just look at this world like it is so wonderful. You know, we're just going to bring in the golden age. We're just going to bring in the kingdom. Look at what God's doing. Look at, look at all the buildings. Isn't that what Judas said to Jesus? Look at all the buildings of the temple here. That's what they're, they're fixated on. They're fixated on real estate. Yes, sir. That's more important than anything else. I forgot what I was going to say. What was I talking about? Heat of the day. Heat of the day. Oh, hmm. You know what Paul said? Paul said in the last days, he says, "Perilous times shall come." Amen. You know, in 2008, God hit me with that, and I have not been able to get that out of my mind. Um, I'm not going to tell you I'm a prepper. I don't. We're not going through the great tribulation, but I think if the Lord tarries, we're going to go through some. Uh, What I recommend to my folks is. Uh, even even FEMA says you ought to have seven days worth of food in your house, food and water. I recommend to my folks you have a, a little pantry and plenty of water. Uh, I recommend that uh, you own a gun, be able to protect your family. Um, I, I, even, I even recommend a little transfer of paper money to some precious metal. I do. Now, I know, you know, some folks say, well, you just got to trust the Lord. Bible says... <clears throat> Uh, the horse is prepared for battle, but safety is of the Lord. But you do know the horse was prepared, don't you? You still got to prepare the horse for battle. Safety is of the Lord. And by the way, the last conversation that Jesus Christ had, since I'm just throwing out everything tonight, the last conver- one of the last conversations he had with his disciples, you know when he sent him out the first time, he said, you don't need your purse, you don't need an extra pair of shoes, just go on out there. Why? Because I'm taking care of you. But then all of a sudden, he knows he's going to the cross and he's going to uh, uh, raise from the dead. And about 40 days later, he's going to ascend up to heaven. He's going to be leaving. He has another conversation. And you know what he tells him in that conversation? He said, uh, <clears throat> he goes, um, if you don't have uh, a sword, 
sell your garment, go buy one. What? <laughs> Did I hear right, Lord? Come on now, help me. We're not supposed to be pacifist. Amen. He told him, he said, buy a sword. Why? Right. You're going to need it. Yes. You're going to have to defend your homes. You're going to have to defend your children. You can't just let people come in there and start raping your women. Right. Some Islamic terrorist. Well, I, I got something for him. Yeah. When he shows up, I'm going to defend my. I'm going to defend my my wife, my children, my grandchild. I'm going to defend them. Right. He tells them to buy a sword. Then he tells them <clears throat> to have their money with them, their purse. Hmm. Maybe banks aren't that safe. Amen. You know the kind of money he dealt with when when he sent when he sent Peter out to go fishing. He said, "You're going to find you're going to find a ten dollar bill in that fish." No. <laughs> he said, you're going to find a piece of gold. Do you know what the Bible recognizes as money? Gold, silver, bronze. A trinity of metals. God recognizes that as real money. All the rest of it is just currency or paper. Called a fiat system. But it's interesting, he said, have your purse with you. Have some money with you. But then he said, the script. You know what a script is? From the Old Testament, there's a verse back there, and I, I couldn't tell you right off top of my mind. But it tells you a script is a shepherd's bag. We call them bug-out bags. Because in that shepherd's bag, he has, he has some of his personal belongings. He has some food in there. He has some, his purse in there. He has some things for staying overnight because he's out in the field all night long. So the Lord pretty much just said... Get you a weapon, get you, get you an overnight bag, and get some money and keep it with you. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. I think that's what he said. Yeah. Wouldn't hurt. <clears throat> and if we don't need it, who cares? Right. Who cares? I figure I'll be feeding about half the people in my church, so we probably put aside more than three months worth of food, but they're eating beans and rice because I told them. Okay. I'm, was it? First Samuel 1740. First Samuel, oh, I wish you'd have read that. First Samuel 1740. Amen. He says, He took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand and drew near Philistine. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Number six. I've only got 20 points, so Amen. Yep. I'm just kidding you. I'm about done here. And you, will, you will regret having, you will regret never having loved God first and put God first in your life. Right. Yep. You know, when I got saved, I didn't love God. I didn't even know who He was. I don't know how you can love somebody you don't know. I mean, I guess you can say you can just general, I just love everybody. Okay, but how do you love someone you don't even know? Right. It's after I got saved that I began to know the Lord. Yeah. And He began to know me. And you know, it took time. But you know, you can be, just like you build a love relationship with your spouse over years, and it does get better with time. Amen. But that love relationship with the Lord gets better with time. And let me tell you something. When you really get to know the Lord's, when you really get to know Him, it, it's, not, it's not impossible to, love, uh, to not love Him above your spouse. Yes. It's easy. Yes. Why? Because He's, he's so wonderful. Yes. When He says, you know, if you don't, He said, if you love uh, 
uh, mother, father, and I think he lists uh, just about everybody in the family, more than me, he says, you're not worthy of me. Because in reality, listen, God is, you have everything because of him in the first place. And if you ever get to know him the way he is, you will have no problem loving him more than you love anybody on this earth. Yes. He said in uh, Matthew 22, verse 35 to 38, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. You know, if you just obey the second, you're a communist. That's all you are. So I love my neighbors myself. Well, good for you. You're a full-fledged communist. <laughs> Even they're taught to do that. The first and great commandment is to love God. After you love God, everything else is pretty easy. It really is. And you know, after you've loved God and learned to love God, uh, it's, it's hard for anything else to sneak in there. I'm just being serious with you. You may go through bouts and times, you know, where your love kind of wavers a little bit. But as long as you stay in that book, your love stays solid for the Lord. <clears throat> you know, we get to heaven. I'm not going to be looking around for D.L. Moody and, and Charles Spurgeon and all them. I mean, eventually I'll, I'll probably see them, you know. Uh, I'm going to be looking for the Lord. Listen, our whole existence will be to, to be in His presence. And thank God the Bible says when we're with Him, we're with Him forever. So shall we ever be with the Lord. I like that. And you know, like a bride and groom, man, I'm just going to get better over eternity. And I'm excited. You know, listen, if God can't make you happy, you can't be made happy. And if God hasn't got something exciting for us in eternity, what in the world? Are you kidding? A new heaven and a new earth? You don't even know what size that new earth is going to be, do you? That thing's going to be gigantic. It's going to have to be. Yeah. New Jerusalem, New Jerusalem's fourteen hundred miles. Uh, well, what is that thing? Deep, high, and and wide. Right. It cover up two thirds of the United States. That's it. It's huge. Yeah, it He's going to have to have a big earth. He's going to park that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. You know that every we we look at a universe out there, and God uh, populated that thing. I mean, we know this one sunk, man. It's going to go by the wayside, but he said he'll create a new heaven. So he's always, the Bible says of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. He always intended to go out and multiply and multiply and multiply. You ever notice that none of those planets are all the same? They're all different, aren't they? Can you imagine visiting these planets and they're all different? Different vegetation, different color sky. Wow. Different number of moons. Man. But the Lord God. Same. Yep. He's the one they want to see. Wow. But won't that be exciting? Yes, sir. Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, man, you look at some of what God's done on this earth in a, in a fallen state and you say, wow. Yes. Just imagine what He yes. can do when it's righteous, in, yes. made in righteousness. Yes. Looking forward to it. Amen. Looking forward to heaven. Looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. Yeah. Looking forward to a new mansion. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'm hoping my house makes it. I, I, sometimes I think it's going to slide down a hill. I said, Lord, as long as it makes it to the rapture, don't yeah. care. Don't, matter, right? don't care. All right. Let me give you the last one. And that is that all these regrets will be real to you in a moment. Mm. In a moment. Let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8-11. to 11. It says, We are confident 
And I say, am willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, look at this, wherefore we labor, that, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Yes. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Here that verse is a verse about the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. I'm trying to persuade you tonight to look at these things so you don't have any regrets. That you take care of it. That you work on it. That you stay in church, that you do something for the Lord. Yes. You know, hey, your labor's not in vain. Amen. I got, I've got a guy that took over uh, uh, mowing uh, the church lawn this year. Do you know what? That's God's lawn, not mine. Amen. Amen. And when he's taking his time out to mow that, the Bible says your labor's not in vain. Amen. And I believe that. Yes, sir. Whatever it may be, somebody's got to do it. Yes, sir. Somebody's got to clean the church. Amen. And all that counts. I believe it. Amen. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Uh, the, the old saying is, one life to live, twill soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Yes, sir. Listen, don't, don't get raptured out of here with a bunch of regrets. Amen. I'm telling you that, Christian, because I, I, I really believe, I really believe we're going to see it. I really believe we'll be alive to, to witness it. I don't think it's that far off. I thought it would have happened by now. I always plan on it every year. Yes, Amen. When somebody says, when is the rapture? I say, I believe it is this year. <laughs> I just cover myself, you know. And we, when we get around springtime, you know, yeah. we get around springtime, around one of them June wedding dates, <laughs> I start I kind of looking up, you know. I wonder. I, I behave better, too, in June. <laughs> Because it don't know, you know. But I believe he's coming. You know, I mentioned this this morning. You know about folks just they they've quit believing. Listen, post millennialists don't believe in the rapture. They don't believe in the judgment seat of Christ. They don't believe in the tribulation, the antichrist, and uh, the 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 premillennial coming of Jesus Christ. They've scrapped all that. But you know something? I'm thinking about them disciples, and that's something that kind of popped into my. Where were the men? Yeah. I mean, the women are running around, you know, we got to go uh, uh, anoint the body and everything, you know, and they show up at the tomb and then they find it empty. They go running back tell the men. You know, he had told them that he was coming up. Right. You know, there's something about us, man, when we start thinking about something that's supernatural. We start thinking about the sci-fi channel. And somehow maybe it, nah, that couldn't be. But then the next thing you know, there he is in their midst. Yeah. yeah. It happened. Yeah. That'll be the same way of the rapture. Right. Yes. Amen. Where everybody's just going, I just don't know if I can believe that. I just don't know if I can I can accept that all over the world that everyone that's saved and, and knows Jesus Christ and their Savior, there's all of a sudden they're just gonna get caught up and they're gone. Until yeah. it happens. Yeah. Just like him coming up from the dead. Yes. Just like watching him ascend in front of them. Uh, him going up into heaven. Same Jesus. That's it. That's it, man. Hey, that's faith. Yes. It's, it has substance. It has evidence. You say, what is it? It's here. That's substance and evidence. We've got, we've got enough prophecy fulfilled. We shouldn't doubt anything. Yeah. Amen. Uh -huh. That's right. 
No regrets. Yeah. You may have some regrets in this life. I, I think it's it just but when you stand before Jesus, don't have any regrets. Amen. Preacher, I'm gonna let you have it from there. Amen. Lord spoke to you always over.